We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello, friends. Welcome to Pod Mavericks Group Therapy. My name is Kirk Henderson. I'm editor-in-chief over at MavsMoneyBall.com. I apologize for the slightly delayed start. I wanted to do this on a Friday afternoon, and I thought I might be able to get away with not having to do work, but alas, that is not how the world goes. I needed to finish up a conversation with my boss, and here we are. Uh, it's been a couple of days since uh, we hung out. I intended to do this a little uh, earlier last night, but uh, you know, it's kind of ran out of gas. I uh, I'm I'm still catching up on some some rest from the regular season, uh, and I wanted to to do one of these during the daytime in the hopes that uh, we could get some guests in here uh, that were you know on the other side of the world, maybe some Slovenian guests like my man Clemen. Um, Thanks for hanging out with us here. There's not a ton to talk about, so I would really like for for you guys to try to come help me carry the show for a little bit. You know, I want to talk a little bit about the playoffs, like what we've seen, what we like, what we think the Mavericks might be able to take away from it. Obviously, there's some news on the coaching front. Uh, and then we have some, you know, some Mavs Moneyball articles that I've liked and kind of thoughts that we've seen out in Mavs fandom. And we can, you know, talk about what we think is realistic and talk about what we think uh, isn't. And and I'd really, really like to to hear what you guys are thinking. So um, I already got one guy in the waiting room. So we're going to let uh, Andreas come up first and and give us his uh, his thoughts on just about anything. Mavs related or really honestly otherwise I could talk about whatever um I've, I've been watching a lot of television and not as much basketball as I should have how are we excellent now that I'm on with you particularly how are you doing I you know I'm okay it's it's Friday here it's the sun is shining outside and uh, I'm, I'm I'm having a nice day how about you well um uh since I realized our big problem um for the Dallas Mavericks will be solved next season. Okay. I am excellent. Thank you very much. <laughs> it is solved. Tell me, how is it? What is the big problem and how is it solved? This is a. Uh, we have certain Rudy Gobert kicking people. We have certain uh, Joel Embiid playing around. We have uh, Draymond Green doing his thing. Mm. Um, 
we have uh, Miles Bridges still being out and about, and I think he would play wonderfully with Jason Kidd. And uh, after his stories and so on and so forth, and I think um, I don't know um, since Stella seems to be home for uh, troubled <laughs> uh, troubled colleagues out there, troubled guys. I am confident that it will be entertaining, to say the least, uh, going into next season, since we don't sign guys such as, I don't know, Lou Dort was on the on the market, if I'm not mistaken. I'm certain uh, Vucevic won't be in a Dallas uniform. I think we said goodbye to the idea of Goran Dragic. Mm-hmm. I think we all can go on and on. So um, it will be entertaining, that's for sure. Uh, so that's that's why I'm happy. <laughs> you know, I, I gotta I, I, I gotta admit because yeah. the Rudy Gobert stuff. He's fans who want him. Like I understand why fans want him for his play. Yeah, but it no really doubt. is something that his teammate. Like it even doesn't seem like like his teammates like they like him. Yeah, not a matter of that, but it's just after 82 games, he seems like that colleague you kind of want to hit with a frying pan because he will not. <laughs> he, he's like, you know, it's like somebody who, who brings uh, who microwaves fish in the office or some some kind of war crime like that. Like, it's truly remarkable how much Rudy seems to bother his teammates. I, yeah. I can't. The, the, the one that seems likely to me, and I don't know why it seems likely, it's just it feels like like the Draymond Green thing. That that feels real, and I don't know why. It just feels like something that Dallas would do. What do you think? Yeah. Um, um, I, I think the payroll of the Golden State Warriors don't allow them to go. Um, like they could buy a they could buy a Caribbean island for how much their their payroll is. It's beyond absurd. So it's beyond I, absurd I, and has been for years now. There, there. Uh, as far as I'm concerned, or as far as I know, uh, they must pay luxury tax. It must be absolutely absurd already because I think it gets worse and worse uh, mm-hmm. every year if you have same sort of luxury tax uh, tax situation going on. That's right. So, yeah, I mean, uh, success proves them right to a degree. Um, let's see how far we'll carry them this season. But I'm certain, I'm expert Andy here, yeah, <laughs> that uh, they will. Uh, they are destined for a certain breakup, and um, therefore I am totally with you that um, uh, the Draymond thing seems to be real. And again, I mean. Uh, Rudy Gobert as well, and 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 there we have it, the entertaining Dallas Mavericks <laughs> backcourt. Well, Here we go. Do you have anybody that you prefer that you're seeing in kind of what, I guess we would, I don't really like this term, but it's what we call distressed assets, like players yeah. who might not be, who might be gettable for less than their value? Uh, that's a good question because uh, I think we all can agree this is all Dallas can get with uh, what they can offer. Uh, one way or another, and uh, I mean, uh, just before you uh, opened up the show, I had this this crazy idea. Let me call it wine infused idea here Ooh. of us just getting Ben Simmons. Yes, there I there I said it. If uh, we also get something like Mikael Bridges, I think we all can agree he's like the top five sort of uh, small forward on the market. Talent-wise, absolutely. Yeah. Excuse me? 
Sorry. Talent wise, I don't think there's a question because he's the kind of athlete that very few teams have. And the Mavericks, I, I, we all get really excited that Josh Green can jump, but like Miles Bridges is a next tier athlete. So I'm with you there. So, so a bundle, those two guys. And uh, I mean, Ben Simmons has uh, health problems as, as far as I'm concerned. And the medical stuff, I think, has always been without the doubt uh, top notch. So I think that that might be um, an interesting pairing, so, so to speak. Uh, and I don't know, you throw in a Davis Pertans, uh, um, a Tim Hardaway, who Dallas seemed to have tried to get rid of since years. Best vibe guy from my personnel, uh, from where I'm standing, and I don't think. Uh, Dallas has too many guys of those left, particularly with Dwight Powell's uh, future a little bit in uncertainty now after all those years getting older and so on and so forth. Um, um, we all know Jalen Brunson was a big contribution. About Jalen Brunson, maybe quickly. Um, I was uh, on, a, on a plane and the only thing I had available was uh, an older um podcast you um and i think our hopes were back then that the um uh, departure of jalen brunson is um not such a big thing for us oh god uh, and uh, excuse me just some wonderfully bad where we're all trying to talk ourselves into into the fact that oh it'll be fine yeah it, it, it was not fine it wasn't fine. So anyway, uh, where I'm trying to go with this is um, uh, that, that to answer your question, really, that might be might, might be a situation might, might yeah. be going forward. And um, um, as much as um, I would like an idea in, in this territory, um, I certainly have no idea whatsoever what we do about the point guard situation, mm. about the backup point. I have no clue. I mean, Gohan got a year older, and um, he didn't look too springy to me whatsoever. Um, vibes, yeah. Although I want to question that to a degree as well after uh, really the party night uh, in the in the European or World Championships. I start to mix things up here, uh, where he was part of as well. And um, that doesn't particularly speak as a mature thing to me either, uh, having had another, really his last real opportunity to win some some precious metal, if you wish. Mm-hmm. Um, so, um, yeah, who's left? Uh, who, who would be a really solid, strong vibe uh, um, backup point guard? I mean, for all what he had left, at least Kemba had a good vibe, um, uh, which he could bring to, to, to the locker room back then. And so my, how I, my hopes were very high on him. So do you have any guess on who a backup point guard could be potentially? I'm... I really, really don't because it feels like it feels like when it comes to to anything free agency related. I saw somebody in the chat say like, "We're not getting anyone. Why are we even having this discussion?" <laughs> and, and and I I kind of like I kind of feel that way. Like talking mm-hmm. about this team right now, it feels so hopeless. Is not right, but we're getting there. We're getting closer to hopeless. And I think that I sort of wish that the, the free agency came before the NBA draft. Yeah. Uh, I never got that. 
And I, it's just, it's tradition. It's, I wish they did free agency first so that you could then yeah. plug if you needed to draft, if, if you're using the draft to base on need, then you could go that way. Instead, it's the other way around. So the draft lottery is May 16th, which is just under three and a half weeks or so. And yeah. if we get to that point, if the Mavericks keep their pick, at that point, that opens up a lot of things, a lot of potential to talk about. Over at Mavs Moneyball, we're not doing a ton with it yet because yeah. I start to feel like Doctor Strange trying to predict the future. And it's not its not that it's not fun, but it creates unrealistic expectations. And yeah. I don't – I'm really bad about that because that sort of stuff makes me mad when I see, frankly, some of my friends do it where it's like, oh, well, we can do this. We can go get DeAndre Ayton in the offseason. It's like, no, we can't. Why are we doing that? So yeah. it's like, at least with these questions about distressed assets where you're talking about um, Rudy and you're talking about a guy like Draymond who wants a bigger contract than he's probably going to get, I at least find that interesting because there's some some stuff that could happen, maybe not for the Mavericks necessarily, but I do think them, I do think they're they're moving in, in that direction. I, I don't know. This is this is a tough one for me because yeah. it's it's like everyone has come to where I have been on the team's outlook, you know, very, it it took, you know, the second half of the season, everybody kind of very much became very pessimistic even after the Kyrie trade. So, Oh yeah. And now it feels like everybody's as grumpy as I am. And then, but I'm kind of like, Oh, this is, this, you know, eh." so, you know, maybe the draft will reinvigorate me. I think it will to a degree, because even if I, I fully kind of expect the Mavericks to trade the pick on draft night for someone, which drives me crazy. That at least opens up some possibilities is what they could do. I still think they would tr- probably trade for a um, a wing and then big man before point guard to kind of circle back to your question. Yeah, because yeah. Th- they there are point guards to be signed. They just need to actually do it. Oh, yeah. And, and that's where they failed this last offseason is they're like, oh, well, we have point guards. No, no you didn't. You, McKinley Wright tried his hardest, but he's five foot 11. Like it's not a it's not a real thing. I'm totally with you there. And I mean, it goes back to what you said about Harrison Barnes, uh, that we created some opportunities there. And I think, to, in our um, opinion, which weren't really there, but at least they created an idea which completely blew up in their face and um, uh, still hurts me. I mean, Harrison seems to be a wonderful guy, really, and I wish him all the best. I think we all do. Uh, but to see him now uh, really excelling on a Kings team um, and us uh, being pretty much nowhere hurt the stings a little bit. And that, I must say, um, hurts me the most. It's that this process is taking so slow. And uh, I don't know if it's you, me, uh, and I think at least an awful lot of those uh, who are listening right now or maybe later, um, it has been so obvious or... Um, can I go that far? I'm not entirely sure. And I wonder, uh, the ones in charge, uh, why don't they see it? I, I, I don't really get it. It hurts me to see. Um, goes back to really Chandler, uh, Tyson Chandler days, where we had an opportunity to resign them. I still don't understand why we didn't do that. Uh, when he went to New York, I think, and so on and so forth. So, uh, well, I think it comes down to, and I'm, I'm assuming, but I feel pretty strongly about this assumption. I think Mark Cuban values top of the market superstars, Luca, uh, uh, maybe Kyrie. I'm not even sure there. Giannis, Jokic, 
Yeah. And then he values absolute bargain basement deals. <laughs> and yeah. that's it. Because the Mavericks have not been interested really or they've been able to improve around the margins in just some time. And, and you kind of see it throughout the way they've built the team in that, you know, Josh Bo wrote about this this week where he talked about how, you know, Dorian Finney Smith and Spencer Dinwiddie are great examples. Spencer's three point shooting fell off by 10% since he's left the team. Dorian close to 12%. Now it's not a ton of sample, but Luca was getting them better shots. Like that's, that's yeah. just a, so the, it kind of comes back to this notion of even if you're not signing the best players possible, what if they just improved somewhere a little bit at some position? I mean, the Mavericks, you know, they tanked to get this 10 position, but what if they had one more player that was in the lineup that was decent? Mm. Would they have won five more games? <laughs> You know, it it feels crazy yeah, but, to talk about now, but that that's kind of it, at least for me. But but in a way, I'm I'm totally with you there, and we might have been able to win five more games, but to a degree, I'm happy that we are where they are, because it hurts now and mm -hmm. uh, better now than later, because uh, the loss would be even bigger. And not talking only Kyrie, but obviously Luca. Mm -hmm. And um, uh, now that we have an opportunity to really sign that second star, who? to a degree, is flawed when it comes to defense. I agree. Um, but he has obvious uh, uh, strengths which can't be denied. And um, I, I, I think he has the potential to be a very good vibes guy, which obviously is super important as well, if he puts his uh, head and heart to it, uh, his mind and heart. So, so there's an opportunity, maybe. And also, uh, I'm really strong on Nick Vucevic. I think... He, um, Luca and him, they had a lovely conversation after that Bulls game. And um, I know he wouldn't maybe uh, solve all problems for Dallas at five. But at least when it comes, I don't know, to rebounding and having a third guy who can really put the ball in the hoop, that might be a guy. And I mean, he he's one of the, I think, marquee centers on the market uh, uh, on the, as a free agent uh, this, this offseason. That might be an opportunity. Uh, I know I think uh, Chicago would like to resign them and I think other teams would be interested in him, but I would really like to see him in a Dallas uniform. Um, that would be an opportunity. Uh, and I think not too far-fetched uh, when it comes to looking at the strengths and weaknesses um, he brings and the team needs. Wow. So there it goes. Well, thank <laughs> and then you for Tyler, getting started. Uh, Hendrick, so, sorry, please. No, go ahead. And then a Tyler Hendricks at the four. I think he's six nine, or something like that. And a Tankerphone always puts him mm -hmm. uh, in a Dallas uniform uh, in draft night. And um, there you have a decent opportunity to not only get you those five wins, but maybe a little bit more and a positive outlook for the future. And yeah. uh, that might be all we need. I I personally want them to take someone with the pick because I like draft picks. I like unrealized potential better than a guy that I'm aware of. It's just kind of how I'm wired. Um, but <laughs> finding a guy that they play at 10, I think is hard. Um, of course, there's a lot of learning for them to do. I doubt they're, they're probably, the Mavericks are probably playing a lot of catch up right now because they didn't anticipate to be in this position. So it's, uh, I mean, Brian Damaris wrote in a D magazine column over the over, uh, during the week that he thinks the Mavericks trade the pick, which like I, it like makes me so irritated. But I completely get why, because yeah, your goal is to win next season. Just win next season. 
So. Oh, you know what? Isn't Dennis Smith Jr. available? Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I wonder if he'd be interested in coming back. Really? I mean, he, yeah, he played his way back into the league. That's uh, yeah. That, that would make everybody, you know, everybody's happy. Mavs takesman Dalton Trigg, he would be thrilled with the with the Dennis Smith Jr. signing. That's a that's an interesting idea. I like it. Yeah, and particularly since, uh, I mean, please correct me if I'm wrong, but uh, I think defense is uh, more of a strong suit than maybe other. He got aspects. a lot better. He got yeah. a lot better because it's it's he his physical stature. He's six one with a six one wingspan. He turned himself into a defender, which is really impressive. Yeah. And that, w- that wouldn't that be a nice uh, sight for sore eyes? I, I, um, one guy I forgot to mention here is Matisse Feibel. I don't know. I always was a play ball a little bit myself, and I uh, was always more of a defensive guy as well. I take pride in that. Um, and um, I, I don't know. I would really like to see him a Jaden Hardy, Matisse Feibel combination, uh, really um, being part of a second unit. Uh, hustling their way through and uh, giving Luca and Kyrie some rest. Uh, a lot of pipe, dream, pipe dreams here. I like it. It's the time of the year for it. Well, Andres, thank you so much for getting us thank started. Thank you very much. Thanks for right, having me. Have a good day. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. All right, coming up next then is my man Krishna, who's been waiting patiently, and then we'll get to Leo. Krishna, what's up, man? Looking like a real podcaster there. Look at that. <laughs> yeah, I've up. Well, okay, I have this mic only because my internal microphone completely bust on me. And so I said, well, I can either go and get this fixed or I'll just go and buy a microphone. So I get it. Well, it looks I, cool. Yeah. Makes it look like a real, you know, this, I love this. <laughs> this, is, this is great. So what, what are you thinking today? I don't know. It's interesting. Obviously, the Nick Nurse news. I don't think mm. I'm that shocked. I think Toronto, I remember when they fired Casey and, you know, it was pretty big news. But I also felt like Masai is the, that kind of guy where he, he he's kind of like the Patriots in that sense of Belichick, where it's like, we're going to get rid of it before it becomes a bigger problem. Yeah. And I feel like that's what it was. And I don't think it's that Nick Nurse is a bad coach. 
But some of Nick Nurse's problems had just been that their rotation was pretty bad. Like they had really only gotten to like five or fewer guys. And so I think he'd be a good coach still in Dallas, but I still, I don't know. Like my question is still with Kyrie. Like I think kid, the one thing I give kid a bit of credit for is I think he's handled the Kyrie situation. Okay. And fine. And, you know, I think a lot of that goes to Kyrie himself. He's been professional in, in during this time. But I also just wonder, you know, if Kyrie resigns and then you get a new coach, you know, already like you're going to probably have some difficulty just because, you know, you have Kyrie on a longer contract and, you know, you don't necessarily know what his motivations will be. But if now if you don't have kid there also, what is that going to do? And so as much as I'm also on that kind of train where I don't really want to see kid again, I I also just don't think it's going to happen. Like, I just don't think kid is going to get fired. So I'm not super blown up about getting Nick Nurse. I think there are still a lot of other coaches out there. Um, before Kyrie got traded, I was looking at um, the Golden State Warriors assistant. I forgot his name. He's former Nets coach. But I, I think he's completely out of the question. I think ultimately, like you've said before, I think Harrison and Kidd are kind of a package deal at mm-hmm. this point. And I think unless both of them go, one of them is uh, not going. And it's just kind of the way it's been in Dallas for so long. So yeah. that's my that's my feelings on the coaching situation because I ultimately I don't think a lot will change. I think the biggest change is going to come from the pick. And I agree with you. I think if it's like the lo- a lower pick, I think tenth is it's either we get tenth or only top four, correct? That's somewhere. Yes. Yeah, we get yeah. ten or we bump down to eleven if someone behind eleven through fourteen jumps up to the top four. Right, that's what I was thinking. Or we move up to the top four. I was saying right because we could we could get the pick four through one, correct? Or am I wrong on that? Say that again. We could get the pick also if it's one through four. Yeah, yeah. Right, but we can't. Percent. There's a three percent chance they jump to one. Right. My feeling was if it's ten, I would still take a player. I think getting someone on a, a first round contract is always a good thing, and you can get good players in the 10th yep. pick or yep. if you want to trade the pick i think trading back back in this draft and getting a future pick would not be the worst thing i would not hate that in this draft um that's also my feeling if we get a top four pick i think if you get one obviously we all know who we're gonna pick that's like i don't even think that's a question but if we get two i honestly wonder if you would trade that pick because i think scoot henderson is a great player but he's obviously going to want to play a lot with the ball and then you either have to have him on the bench or you're playing a really small, technically a really small lineup where you would have Luca, Kyrie and Scoot all starting. And I think Scoot is, is supremely talented, but I think that's a point where you would just trade back and, you know, maybe you pick like the Thompson twins at like three or, and you pick up like a future first. Sure. Um, I, I mean that like you hop into the top four and the world <clears throat> changes. Absolutely. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. I think it's, I think it's that point where I would consider trading, but yeah. Luke Byrne in the, in the chat says he thinks the Mavs would take Miller, which I kind of do too. Um, Mm. Not only for the jokes for like problematic reasons, but just because he actually solves a lot of problems with how he plays. He's lengthy. Huh? No, like if you were in the top four. Oh, okay. I mean, like if you jump like that too, and I, I think he's, but you know that 
it's it's so difficult to talk about this because you want to talk about it in a if we were lucky enough to get up that high Um, exactly and and that's that's difficult yeah it's why i'm not super like invested in top four right now um i think ultimately i'm just like get the 10th pick right get the 10th pick and then make your decision then and i think ultimately if you're going to trade the pick i would make that decision obviously you ultimately you make that decision officially on draft night but I, I would be wary about going and trading a pick, especially in a draft like this for a quote unquote, um, you know, certified superstar. I think to me, the warning would be something like the Clippers for as, as much as I think the Clippers would redo that trade, you know, for Paul George, I think, you know, those picks are going to be worth a lot for OKC and they've ultimately got a player in Shea who's better than Paul George. So <laughs> I, I think you you have to always be wary of what you think is certified uh, in this league because yeah. you know it, it's not it's not there's no such thing as a guarantee ever um, and so I think keeping the pick and taking that chance I think personally is where I would go like you but it, it'll be interesting and ultimately we don't have any. Control. I mean I hope I hope it happens for two reasons. Number one, the list of possibilities <clears throat> it opens up. Number two, the list of possibilities for us to talk about that it opens up because. It, it could be a whole lot of fun discussing the various optionality where it, it you know, I saw my, my friend Kenny on Twitter just now said, you know, I don't care about any pick traded away for a win. Now guy at 10, you're not trading anything for, there are no win now guys for a 10th pick two, three, four. Yes. That's it. Cause again, this is just a different draft. Um, I, I, I don't think it's com- like, it's not 2018 level in terms of depth. Cause that depth is nuts. But like, I, there's guys that I would, uh, you know, like I want Anthony Black at 10, but he's not going to be there. So it's just, this is, this is, um, can anybody hear the lawn guys outside my house? I'm worried about that. A little bit. It's not oh, too okay. bad. I'll it's mute myself bad. then um, when I'm not talking, but yeah, that's, that's kind of, it's just, it's, it's a lot of fun to think about these things. So. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, there's a lot of great draft analysis. Um, you talked about Rafael Barlow. I think he's really, really great. Um, he was think, kind of on. I think he lives in this area. He does. He lives in the okay. Dallas area. Yeah, he I need to get him the, on at some point. I, he does a lot of like scouting, even in the Dallas area. He watches the legends a lot. Um, but he talked about like how he watched Wemby like three years ago, and it was like after his um, marriage, and they went to the game with his wife, and his wife was like, "This guy sucks. What are you talking about?" And then two years later, they went and watched Wemby again, and she was like, oh, this guy is good. Um, and so I, I trust his talent ID a lot. He's really good with just kind of the over, like the long term, like scouting, because yep. it's really easy to look at one year and take it all and say, like, oh, this is what they are. And that, that can be true. I think there's a lot of, there's a lot of truth to that. Like, I think players can have one really good year and it can uh, grow beyond that. But, Oftentimes, I think looking at what they've done overall in a long-term sense is is the best thing. Like, huh. so I, I trust his his talent ID on that. So it'll be interesting to see what him other people say. And the tenth pick is, I, I think it's it's like you've said, it's unfortunate in some ways that free agency is after the draft. But I think it also colors a lot of what this team needs to do um, because if you take the pick, then you kind of have to really build around what you want in that sense. And I think. You pointed it out, and I think Tim Cato talked about it a few weeks ago where he mentioned how, you know, Cuban has just had this weird, horrific tendency at this point to not pay players in the, what I like to call, like, 2A category, where it's like $20 million. 
And the reason you pay players in that bracket is because, and you've talked about it, you don't have that way you don't have players playing above their station, like playing above their talent level. And I think the thing I always give a lot of the guys credit for is they've played above their talent level for so long, but you could only do that for so long. And it's kind of, it's gotten to this point and the season gotten to this point where it was clearly unsustainable for any of that to happen. Right. And I, I, I don't put it unnecessarily unfairly on those guys. I think like guys like Dorian and even Reggie and Maxi and Dwight, like they've played way above their station for far too long and it's not necessarily their fault. Like, I'm not going to sit here and say they've been good, not really, but it's also like they shouldn't be in a situation where they're playing so many minutes and asked to be playing roles that they're not fit to. Like we were, we were asking Dorian to be Mikel Bridges, and you can see it in Brooklyn right now how far ahead right. talent-wise Mikel Bridges is of Dorian. Um, and, and it's just mostly the offensive game, but even defensively, Mikel Bridges is younger. He's a little bit more spry. You're just, you're just not going to get that in that kind of comparison. And so nope. I, I think, yes, you want to get, you know, the, the money ball, right? The talent ID, you want to get those lower costs, but you want to do that at the end of your bench where instead of Frank Nielakina, right, you're getting an Austin Reeves, you're getting a Jose Alvarado, like, that's what I think the Pelicans have done really well. Is they have, yeah. Their their bottom of the bench talent ID is really good, and that's where you have to go and you get your value propositions. Not in the middle of your roster, not in your sixth man, it's not in your and not in your starting lineups. Like, yep. like that's the issue is you need to, even if it's an overpay, right? Ultimately, like I think Philly is kind of the same way. Like Philly overpaid easily for Tobias Harris, but you would have rather overpaid Tobias Harris than have someone who is severely not a good performer like the Mavericks have had, I think. And I, whether the Mavs do that or not, it's to be seen. And I think all of this hinges on two things, I think, ultimately, this offseason, which is Kyrie re-signing and the terms and what the Mavs do with the draft pick if they get it. And ultimately, I'm just I'm just going to wait and see. I'm just enjoying these playoffs. I'm enjoying the hockey playoffs a lot more. That's been a lot of fun. So, yeah, hopefully everyone has a good rest of their Friday and take care. All right, man. Thanks so much. Thank you. Okay. While we are, um, I'm bringing up my guy, Matthew next, who's been, uh, I asked him to come in from as Moneyball. He wrote about our guy, Nick nurse today. Um, be sure to like, and subscribe makes a, makes a big difference. Helps me out. We're up to 900 subscribers now, which is uh, pretty wild since I started this like the second to last week of the season. So coming up now, Matthew Phillips, what's up, man? Uh, not a lot. How are you doing? I'm doing okay though. The lawn guys are literally outside my window, so I'm going to let you cook because you have a you have a Nick Nurse take. That's what 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 we wanted to discuss today. Okay, so my main thought with Nurse is that the Mavs really chose vibes over basketball coaching acumen when they switched from Carlisle to Kid, and I just think Nurse clearly has some of the same issues Carlisle has as far as driving everyone crazy and all of that and. I mean, obviously his players don't like him, but he has a lot of the same basketball acumen that Carlisle has as far as just being a really, really good X's and O's coach. And um, I know one of the big complaints is that he kind of ran his stars into the ground. But if you look at it, Kyrie averaged 38.2 minutes a game after he came to the Mavericks. Luka averaged 36.4. So it's not really like that's a big jump. I mean, Siakam averaged 37 minutes a game. Luka averaging 36.4 with the workload that he takes. 
it's not really like there's a, a bigger running them into the ground than they already have. The only difference would be that I think they would be deployed more strategically correct, if that makes sense. It it does. I, I The concerns about rookie stuff, particularly if the Mavericks have a pick, but the thing about the Dallas roster right now is that it's so bad that I don't know, you know, play who's he gonna play? He like they had, you know, the I think you said if if the Mavericks were to be so bold as to fire Jason Kidd, which to be clear, we don't think they're gonna do. If they were to be so bold, then it's like they're probably gonna have a fairly revamped roster anyway. And then I would sort of worry about those problems as it came up. I mean, I'm sort of of the opinion that if you have a player as good as Luka Doncic, you get the best coach for the season in front of you, and you worry about that down the road. Uh, you worry about everything else because you know, if their relationship burns out quickly, but they get to the Western Conference Finals again, do you care? Does Luca care? Like uh, he he wants a coach that he respects very clearly. He wants a a scheme. You know, there's I think there's also a degree where it's like maybe we shouldn't worry about what Luca feels so much and build the best team possible, build the best coach possible, right? Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And then also, I mean, to an extent, the offense, as long as Luca and especially if Luca and Kyrie are here. The offense is going to be Luca spamming pick and rolls. I mean, there there are ways you can get into that. We've seen certain things with, you know, dribble handoffs and things like that. But so much of the offense is, is just going to be Luca and Kyrie cooking. And if you get Nurse, what Nurse does so well is really what the Mavs need, which is he can junk up defenses. I mean, we've seen him pull out box and ones, triangles and twos. I mean, he's done all kinds of things that you really wouldn't think are options at the at the NBA level. And I, I think that's one of the things that I really like about him is that we saw the Mavs do the same thing and fail at it over and over and over. And, you know, Nurse is really, really willing to say, like, okay, X is not working, we're moving on to Y. And then do Y and then be like, hey, we tried Y, Y is not working, we're moving on to Z. And I, I understand that a lot of times in coaching, there's a tendency to be like, no, we're going to impose our will and we're going to do this. And that trying different things is admit is seen as admitting failure. But sometimes you do need to admit failure. Sometimes it's just being realistic with yourself that, hey, like, for instance, with the Mavs right now, the Mavs aren't good enough defensively, which actually, while y'all were talking about it before, it's made me think about it. Um, if you look at the Mavs, the biggest problem they have right now is that this is obviously a wings league. Who is the most talented player on the Mavericks that you would say is a pure forward? None. Like, not a forward guard, not a center forward. They do not have a single have good one. NBA forward. They don't have one. Because Bullock is more of a guard than a forward. Uh, Timmy plays some small forward. He's more of a guard than a forward. Right. Like, you watch Josh Green against a given, like, actual, real, you know, like, Paul George, and it's just like he's small. Like, Josh Dorian was the last four. one. Josh Green is 6'4". Yeah. Like, I mean... I, and Green's fine, but that's the problem they have. They don't have forwards. Like, their whole, everyone who, the Mavs, you know, when it's like, hey, what do the Mavs need to do? Get forwards. Like, that's the problem. Like, I, I actually would really like to see Dennis Smith back and everything, but you can only run out so many guards, and you can call him for, you can call Tim a forward all you want. He's not. You can yeah. call, I mean, and you can call him a 3 and D guy all you want. He's not, and especially if they go with the whole, we're going to get rid of charges. Uh, if or if they move him out, that what little defensive viability he has goes completely out the window if he can't just fall down and call that defense. Yep. But all in all, although also with Nurse, it would be pretty interesting because you want to talk about going from polar opposites, going from the Raptors, who are team all length and athleticism, 
and maybe a little bit lacking in like basketball creation and all that to the Mavericks who are all shot creation and no length or athleticism would be very interesting. It'd be a cool challenge that I would like to see for him. Yep. And unfortunately I don't think it's going to be, I don't know if it's going to matter. I, I think he, I, I wouldn't be surprised if he takes like the, the Carlisle in 2008 route, which is like take half the year off and like survey and go find the situation that, that works for him because it's not like he's going to go coach the Rockets though. That'd be very funny. I mean, it, it, the Mavericks have just put us, they, they you know, it, that's why committing to kids so hard drives me a little bit crazy because it's like there are guys, in the, there are guys out there. They, they could, you know. I will say that having a coaching situation with Luka Doncic and his incredibly young superstar and all of this and that not being just immediately the most attractive coaching job in the NBA is – a hilarious example of how bad they've screwed things yep. up to be perfectly honest. But the other thing I was going to say, um, and this is really, I think the last thing I've got is, you know, we talk about the pick, even if it's the 10th pick, whether it's the one through four or whatever, mm-hmm. if you look at so many players on the Mavs, they have so many limitations from a physical standpoint because they've chosen to build around undrafted players. And we've talked about it at, at, link, at different times and all that. But I mean, look at Maxi undrafted, you look at Dorian undrafted. You look at, I mean, I think Bullock went in the first round a long time ago. I think he went like the I think he went like the twenties or something. But I mean, so many of the Mavs have been undrafted players, and it's not that they're not good players. That doesn't take away from how good Dorian was. It doesn't take away from how good Maxi was because Maxi because they were both legitimately good NBA players. But what it does mean is that they have physical and talent limitations that players who are taken in the lottery don't have. Yeah, and so that's one thing. Even if even if it's the tenth pick, if they take someone, if it's be it Taylor Hendricks or who is basically, I think the hope is Christian Wood, but good. Um, the it, it <laughs> they just they have more talent. Like those yeah. guys have higher upside, and that's why they go earlier. Like you know, it's it's fun. It's all fun in games to be Moneyball and try to find market inefficiencies and and find talent where other people can't. But you know, it's easier if you're one of the. If you're not the run of the litter, if you're one of the main dogs that's, you know, suckling before everybody else, it's just easier than trying to find stuff that nobody else has. That's right. Man, thank you for taking the time to join. I'm glad you were able to figure it out. Yes, sir. All right, we'll talk soon. That was Matthew Phillips. He is a contributor to Mavs Moneyball. He wrote about uh, the coaching thing over at Mavs Moneyball, if you want to go check that out. Um, And then uh, he has a post that will... throw up on monday that explains the math with the lottery odds that i am grateful for because i don't get it all right coming up next is my man leo and then we have brian and then we'll close it out so leo what do you got for us my guy uh i was just a simple question as someone who's been watching the nba for Mm. longer than i've been alive oh wow do you think sorry about that (laughs) (laughs) it's fine man uh but with the current situation with the nba after just recently suspending draymond for game three and the very wild variations between uh night to night on what's Mm. considered a foul and what's not do you think we're reaching a tipping point where we're close to like a donaghy situation where the people watching don't have as much of a attention towards the ref or have like too much attention towards the ref there, there is always this. It's every year. There's a variation of this. I will say where the where the NBA runs into problems now is like, as a as a concept, we shouldn't know who referees are, but 
we end up do we end up you know because the way the information is available to us that's something that's become more prevalent in recent years the nba has also seen a bit of an outflux in referees so a lot of the guys that are are getting heat and this is not necessarily in the playoffs it's more a regular season thing are younger guys with less issues like there was one guy that like tossed luca can't remember the guy's name but it was it these sorts of things happen and these the guys get better training and they get more experience and they get better at this in a given situation they have to be looking at three to four things in a play and frankly they just miss stuff and it only gets worse like the stuff Embiid was doing last night was clown car stuff like I I could throw up a video I might go find it if I can if I can um that just talked about you know that just talks about how bad some of this stuff can be and and it's it shows how bad like Embiid's flopping was. And it's just like, I don't know how we expect refs to call this stuff because some of it's on the players. They like the flopping fines go away. Um, you know, the, the lack of consistency and intent uh, or in judging intent, it, like, you know, Draymond Green stomps on a guy's chest and he did it on purpose, but he also had his ankle pulled on. Like there were so many things at play in that situation makes it complicated. But then you have Joel Embiid last night who doesn't get kicked for kicking someone like the dumbass ESPN labeled it and extend he, he extended his leg no he kicked someone what are we doing like I you hope that it doesn't mar an important game is what you get to at least that was game three in a series where, where teams are overmatched so what else you got well, because I was headed to this point with the NBA no longer having contracts with major regional networks and provide possibly becoming their own provider of mm-hmm. uh, of a stream. Wouldn't the fans feelings towards the league or feeling towards referees very, very much more affect the revenue the league is getting now? Because instead of just canceling a TV subscription, which is, you know, it's all, it has a lot more things connected to it. You just cancel your NBA subscription. A click of a button instead of having to call someone yeah i mean that's almost that dips into such a different level of things where the nba has some challenges ahead of them i will say live sports and the rights for live sports there's so few things it, it they're only going to continue to go up um and so that's that's sort of where i land there but in terms of you know fans ability to you know just get so frustrated that they turn away from it the NBA has to do a better job of messaging next year. Like when they apologized to LeBron James for a missed foul call and then proceeded oh, that was pathetic. To, then they proceeded to give the Lakers more free throws by like an absurd margin for the rest of the regular season. Like you just can't be doing that shit. And and it's you know some of it the Lakers did change how they play, yada yada, but it's just there's got to be consistency of messaging and attempt at consistency of like what the NBA does almost every year is they establish things that this is what we're going to focus on for a while there. They were calling tons of travels. Do you remember that? And then yeah, they the beginning of the season. And honestly, like I liked that they called the travels. They were travels. It, it's, it's fine. You know, it's, it's, you know, Mark's but been they in the, the same chat, thing so, last season. Yes. They, and that's with, what uh, I mean. They, they, they can't, they can't um stop and go with, with the sort of things that they're focusing on. Like if traveling is going to be a focus, make it a focus, you know, it, it they they have to do better okay all right thank you mr kirk sure leo have a good day uh coming up next is brian and then we got the longtime uh listener ewan waiting too brian what's up my guy yo man we're uh, finally to the off season that's what's up i'm 
Well, our offseason anyway. I learned today. So Mavs Moneyball has like a post quota that we have to hit every month. Uh-huh. I learned today that we we don't have to hit our full regular season quota. And I was like, oh, I thought that went meant through the end of July. So it's like, you know, sometimes it's like when you do post shit like I do, it's it's, it's definitely making chicken salad out of chicken shit. Where it's just like you you make up stuff to write about, and now we don't have to do that quite so harshly. So I'm 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 delighted that it's off season, though I do miss the Mavericks being in the playoffs. Yeah, I miss them playing important games too, but they haven't really done that since mm, last year. So yeah, it right going back to 2022. So I'm not too concerned about that. I'm my my thoughts have really been more so with this pick that's coming up. Potentially, we have 80 percent chance that at keeping and having a top 10 pick. So that's been taking up a lot of my headspace lately. And I actually am of the opinion that we should trade the pick, not for a player. though. That'd be stupid. That'd be stupid. We're not going to get a player that's going to be worth the value that we can get and getting like a cheap young talent of that level of, you know, just from another team who's looking to swipe that lottery pick off of us. I think that we should use it and trade back. Well, we should only use that pick and trade back. If Taylor Hendricks isn't there, I think that he would be a perfect fit. In Dallas, he'd be a perfect kick next to Luca and Kyrie because defensively he just covers up so much and he's such a good shooter. Sure. Right. I, I think that it would just make I don't so see much how sense. he stays at 10. Like yeah. well, when I watch him, or it's like, oh, he's gonna be a 10. And I'm like, are you sure? Like everybody's talking about like Anthony Black is gonna go higher. And I'm like, I love Blacks. Black went to the same high school as me. Um, and and I just desperately want that to happen for purely nonsense reasons, but T- Hendrick strikes me as, I mean, maybe he's older. I don't know. It's its crazy. He, he's not that much older. He's hes going to be like 20 on draft day, so it's not that big of a difference. He's hes really good. And, yeah, lately I've started to see more mock drafts that are going to have him like going as high as seven, maybe even well, maybe not six, but, yeah, as high as like seven in the draft, mm-hmm. depending on, you know, who gets taken before him. So I'm preparing for the eventuality that he may not be there at 10 and that's going to hurt my heart. Cause I just kind of warmed up to the idea of taking him, but if he's not there and we have the 10th pick and not a top four one, then yeah, I think that what we should do is call Utah and see if they'll take 10 and give us 16 and 28. That way we could go draft like Derek lively and at 28, maybe go get like city. The Derek lively like stuff is going to turn me into the Joker. <laughs> big, big men just don't develop at a rate that you want them to like lively is a guy like he, I mean, he's very similar to Jaden Hardy in that he was highly nationally ranked and then didn't mm-hmm. do much at Duke. Like it's it's that that's that I I would love to argue about him for a month. You know what I think? I think that's gonna. I think they're gonna go after Derek Lively. Quite frankly, if they do trade back, that's gonna be one of the guys they're gonna target. Mm. I don't know if they're gonna be smart enough to do that. I think they're he's just gonna make that pick, which at ten in this draft you kind of can't fuck it up because if you don't get Hendricks, if you don't get Anthony Black, uh, the the case you feel good about the range of guys. Yeah, Yeah, that's where I land too. Like maybe they don't pan out, but I feel good about the options. Right. Yeah. Yeah, like there are a bunch of guys. This this draft goes really deep with uh, like big wings, exactly what you and uh, uh, Matt were just talking about. Where we need size on the perimeter, we need big wing defenders. And this draft has a lot of those, some that are raw, some that are more polished, some that'll be able to play right away and some that may be a a year or two project, but they're there. We just have to take them. That's why I would prefer to trade back and move back just a little bit so that we can try and get, because quite frankly, Derek Lively is the only big worth of shit and that's going to be going in the first round of this draft. And after that, it's nothing but 
wings, the occasional guard, but there's like maybe one or two lead guards worth a damn in the draft. It's like Scoot, Jalen Hood, Shafino, and that's about it. Everybody else is either off guard or a big wing. So yep. I'd want us to take a swing on a bigger wing later in the first round. If we can't get Taylor Hendricks, I think he solved a lot of our problems pretty immediately. Yep. And obviously when you talk about like what Victor would do for this team, if he were here or like uh Asari Thompson, you know, somebody like that. So, yep. well, thank yeah. you, man. You got anything else? No, dude, I am just uh, watching these refs be bad, watching all these franchises cry. Uh, watching the big, bad uh, media darling Sacramento Kings beat up on the small market Golden State Warriors mm. in the, <laughs> on social media. That's, That's right. very funny. You know, everybody shed a tear for uh, Joe Lacob and the Golden State Warriors, you know. That's right. So I've been enjoying that, having fun watching the Kings play, and I'm just going to keep enjoying the playoffs and enjoy having a stress-free playoffs since for the first time in I don't know how long. I like it, my man. Well, we'll talk soon, okay? Yes, sir, bro. Be easy. All right. Let's go to – actually, you know what? I have to share um, – LeBron James was mad online uh, today, and he he gave a quote. We're going to play it for everybody, see if I can remember how to share my screen. Um, let's go here. We're going to do Twitter. Share Twitter. All right. So we got this thing here. we got the audio turned up. We're going to see what LeBron James had to say. I don't want to talk much more. Uh, tomorrow's going to be a great game. I'm not here for the bullshit. I'm ready to play. And that's it. I appreciate it. Okay. I, uh, I, uh, he cut off his media availability almost immediately after, because LeBron James loves talking. Um, Dylan Brooks might die on national television. Uh, I cannot believe that schmuck said that about LeBron. Anyway, coming up next, Ewan Douglas. How we doing, dude? Hey, what's up, man? Tell your wife I'm sorry that you're talking to me again. <laughs> nah, I just got off work. Uh, I, I didn't get the notification. I was just scrolling on Twitter and I saw your thing off. Hey, there we go. You know, let me see what's going on. But, um, I mean, that LeBron thing you just shared got me distracted a little bit because it's like... I'm sorry. It was just like like this Dylan Brooks. I hate the Lakers. It's a religious principle to hate the Lakers. I hate the Lakers. Dylan Brooks, though, is like a bad WWE wrestler. He's like the British Bulldog or some shit. I cannot handle him. What, what What's crazy, like, like a few years ago, like, you know, I had... I was holding LeBron to a certain, you know, pedigree, but it's kind of been dwindling down because all of the crying, the complaining. He's our age. Yeah, complaining about the back-to-back <laughs> against the Clippers. I'm like, come on. You, you, you want to cry about scheduling now at the end of the season? I'm like, bro, bro, come on. Let, like, come on. Let's, let's, let's stop it. Right. And the Dylan Brooks thing, I, I just think it's funny, man. It's just like, he's like, I don't respect you until you give me 40. So I'm like, oh, this guy's funny, man. <laughs> it's, it's like, just, are you asking to give him 40? Oh, oh man, that's funny. That's entertaining. But um, I don't know if anybody mentioned it already because I, you know, missed the whole thing. But it's like watching the playoffs this year is just not as ex- – I mean, Maz an idea, but it just don't feel like it has – it just don't feel the excitement that we had last year with us sure. playing in Luka. There's no you know? juice. There's no juice. There's no juice. There's no – when it comes to, like, the flair, you know, how Luka – Everybody act tough when they're up. And you know how he plays the game and stuff he does in the game. Mm-hmm. It's just, you know, you're not really seeing that this year. Everybody's flopping and they're dropping on the floor and they're crying. And you're just not, you know, you're just not seeing the amazement, the amazement of what, you know, Luca brings on a nightly basis. Yep. So I sit back and I look at it. And I'm like, if I'm Luka Doncic and I'm watching the playoffs right now, 
to see how like boring it is in a way and then you know all the boring the bad storylines it's like there's no way he should think like i should miss the playoffs again and there's no way the mavericks should have the the team in a position where they're missing the playoffs because i'm pretty sure they're sitting back now like yo we could be winning these games like we could be beating these teams right now well, I mean, that was everybody that was bitching about the Mavericks tanking is like, they, there's no reason the Mavericks can't do this. And I'm like, yeah, I get it. I, I just, you know, I want them to lose because I want them to get a draft pick. <laughs> but it's like, yeah, we know that Luke is like a top five player. And like, hopefully he comes back motivated to be like, listen, like, I'm like one of the best players in the world, if not the best player in the world. And, you know, playoff time is when I shine. Like, this is when I put my best foot forward, you know, and a lot of the superstars now. I mean, Booker's having a good playoffs, but like Luka just turns it up a notch when it comes postseason time. He does, and he gives it to your best, to your best defender, whoever's guarding him. You know, he he just he just does it. And last he's like Kawhi, he got a knee injury, and now we look back at the, the two years we placed the Clippers. It's like those are the, the last two years he's been healthy, and we faced him those two years he was healthy. And it's like we have bad luck. We have like bad luck, you know. And it's just. I don't know how to put it. Like at the game seven, Kawhi was out for the whole Utah series. Was it yep. Utah or Phoenix that he he didn't play? Was it like, whatever the next round was? I think it was Utah or Phoenix. Whatever one. But after he beat us, after he went, you know, Robocop against us in game seven, the masterclass, the next series he was gone. And that was his last playoff t- until this year. And it's like right. if we just had somebody just you know, somebody of a you know, a dog with us at that time. Who who knew how far we could have gone, the way Luca was playing those two playoff series. You know what I'm saying? It's just like, and I just want to get. I just want Luca to just look at this to really see like, there's only a few players that might be better than him in the league. And once you get to the playoffs, with when you get the game plan for a team for four games and pick them apart, like he should he should just he should be killing next year. And the math front office should do everything to. To make sure that we're here, because once you're in this position, you see what Luca can do. You yeah, know, so I do. <sighs> I feel like, man. I, I, yeah. I'm sorry. One more thing. It's just our ex teammates. You know, Spencer Dinwiddie. We can see he can't. He can't make passes. We've been crying for it all year. We've been trying to tell people he can't throw. He can't pass. Mm-hmm. You look and see mm-hmm. the statistics. He yeah, had ten assists, but are you really watching the game? Like, yeah. he cannot pass. Yeah, it's difficult. And it it sucks seeing Philly Smith like not being a rotation, not getting any minutes. Poor guy. Well, he's actually like I went and looked at his minutes totals. He's played last night. He at least had some rebounds, but like he looks like a not. He looks like a borderline not NBA player with how he's played. It, it it's bad. And the narrative of you you know Luca Holland play is back, and yep. we see how Spencer look. We see how Dinwiddie look. I mean, Brunson been good all year, but. It's always easy to get, you know, to beat a team on a night, you know, a back-to-back. You know, they fly across the country. It's easy to beat teams in a regular season like that and and play well. But when it comes to the postseason, you got to plan for the same team four times. They yep. got to make adjustments. You can see now, like, in the, in the next game against with, with, with Brunson, I mean, he's getting looks, but they're not as open as they was last year. They're, they're not as wide open, you know. Yep. Opponents don't respect Randall and, and, and the Knicks players like you know like how they respected our space and when he was on the Mavericks so you look at the percentages his student percentages are pretty bad right now and really I don't bad. it's like I don't expect that to change he may have the points you know the total points at the end of the game but the shooting spread is not going to be as good as nope. Dallas. it's pretty so, brutal 
<sighs> well, might be, it might it might be green on the other side when it comes to the money, but your your play wise and your and your stuff may not be as good as it is playing with Luca Vapo. So that's you know, true. Don't take it for granted. Don't take it for granted. Well, man, thanks for joining. Appreciate you logging on after work. Yeah, man, I'm here. Right. Hit the notifications so I can, you know, somehow get them so I can be. Well, yeah, I think the way you do that is if you are subscribed, like I try to post these in advance that when I'm doing them, and I try, I'm trying to do it like a day in advance, but life okay. keeps happening. So I think if you do it and you see it on YouTube, if you click the bell on underneath the like the actual uh, video, because it'll, it'll okay. It, it it should notify you, and it also it's like if your phone notifications are turned on. But I'm trying, you know, I, like I don't I don't use YouTube. This shit is is too much for me. I'm still learning it myself. So, all right. Well, thanks for joining us. Yeah, man. Anytime. Talk soon. Okay, I want you guys to let me know the timing that works for you. So, I'm probably gonna do one show with Josh and then one show like this every week for a while. Maybe we'll do more if there's more things to talk about it. Um, Brian says uh, he gets notifications 30 minutes before the stream starts. Um, if you if you click the bell and choose all notifications, thank you, Krishna. That sort of stuff helps. Uh, you'll get notified. Please, you know, continue to to spread the word to friends. I'm surprised and delighted about how many regulars from Green Room have come over. Um, and yeah, we'll we'll keep doing these at least once a week. I'll probably do one either Thursday evening or Friday afternoon like this uh, for at least the next month. Uh, we'll probably do a live show the night of um, the lottery, so we can either be very very excited uh, or very very sad. So uh, everybody, enjoy the rest of their weekend. Uh, head over to Mavs Moneyball and read some stuff over there. We've we've been putting up regular posts. We're gonna start our draft coverage. I think next week. I think we got like our great. Um, the first one we got turned in from our new writer DW uh, was on Grady Dick, and I could just I like Grady Dick, but I imagine everyone getting really mad. Um, anyway, this has been fun. Appreciate you guys taking the time, and we will talk soon. Have a great weekend, go Mavs.